Hello and welcome everybody to Run Your Mouth episode 20. I got some uh, Bob Weir playing in the background. I'll explain why in a minute. So uh, sadly, Yussel is out this week. Uh, we gotta we gotta coordinate a little better on schedules and stuff. It's mostly my fault because I'm kind of lazy and I don't like making plans and I don't really have anything written to the last minute. And then I'll be like, Yussel, get over here. We gotta do an episode. And he goes, Yeah, I got kids, buddy. Can't just kind of pick up and get over to Queens. So. But we're going to call into him in a little bit. Hopefully we can hear some coughing through a phone. Uh, I don't know that he's handling the summer months all that well. <laughs> Hot weather comes and the big man gets sick. But we'll give him a call in a little bit. So the reason I got uh, old Bobby Weir playing over here, song off his new album, great song by the way, is um, I got to meet Doug Stanhope the other day. He was over at the Gas Digital Studios. So I went in just so I could meet him. I don't know... If you guys are celebrity people at all, but if there's one person in the world that I would like to meet and hang out with, and I got to, it was, it was Doug Stanhope. That's my guy. That is my all-time favorite comic. Um, biggest inspiration, trying to create comedy. That's my dude. There's no other celebrity I'd like to meet other than Bob Weir. He would be the one other guy. And I also, at one point, did get to meet Bob Weir, um, which was an incident that... You know how they tell you you don't want to meet your heroes kind of thing? Well, I learned after that incident with Bob Weir that sometimes, like, you think, I don't know, in your head you're going to meet these people or share a moment or, um, like, maybe become their friend or something. And then I realized there are people too. I'm not even cool around normal people. Or, like, if there's some hot chick and I'm, I'm not going to make great conversation with them, like, do you really think you're going to meet some celebrity hero of yours? and be cool in any shape, way, or form, it's not going to happen. So th this was the incident I had with Bob Weir. I was once backstage at a Allman Brothers Band concert. I don't know how, but some somehow through the Jewy grapevine, some manager knew this person who put something up on auction, and, you know, the wealthy people who won the auction didn't want to go, so they called up my dad and said, hey, we got backstage passes to the Allman Brothers. Do you want to go? And fuck yeah, we're going to go to that. Allman Brothers were awesome. Oh, yeah, Greg Allman just died. Maybe we should play some uh, some Greg Allman along with uh, along with this Bob Weir over here. We'll switch it up next. Um, man, I saw the Allman Brothers a couple times, and they were fucking awesome. Let me tell you, the Beacon was the shit before they renovated it. Now it's a fancy place, but when I went to the Beacon in high school, you could go in with a with a backpack just filled with drugs, a bong, your own booze. It was a fucking party. And then they redid it, and they kind of, I remember... Like, just three years after they redid I was in there trying to smoke a joint. Security came up to us. It was not the same vibe. That's why it's better when they don't put money into things. Just leave things shitty so that people like me can afford to go there and be an asshole. As opposed to all fancy, expensive, and then policed. I don't know. We're, 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 we're losing our train of thought. That's why I need Yussel here. It's weird. I feel like I'm talking to a fucking wall. So anyways, I'm backstage at this Allman Brothers concert, and... Bob Weir is opening up for the Allman Brothers band with uh, Bob Weir and Rat Dog, and I'm a diehard Deadhead. I mean, I can't even tell you how much time I spend listening to the Dead. I love their music. I've seen them in concert. Well, not the, I, all the different variations of the Dead, probably about 15 times. Their music means a lot to me, and I just think it's so cool that Bob Weir is still just out there on the road making new music. He put out this new album last year. And I really just wanted to meet the guy. I wanted to shake his hand and just go, hey, man, your music means a lot to me. It's really cool that you're still out there doing it. I don't want to get a picture with him. I don't want to get an autograph. I just thought it would be a cool experience to actually meet the guy. So I'm, the Allman Brothers are on stage, and I keep sneaking 
not sneaking. I had access to the backstage. I kept going backstage to try and catch Bob Weir when he was leaving. Because like I said, I just wanted to meet the guy. I just wanted to shake his hand. So I keep leaving the concert to go backstage and see if I can catch him when he's walking out. Um, finally, I'm, I'm hanging out in the hallway. I'm just uh, getting some good loitering on, leaning up against a wall right outside of the man's dressing room, just waiting for him to come out so that hopefully I can catch him for a brief second. So at some point, let's say midway through that Allman Brothers band, Bob Weir, he's leaving his dressing room. Room opens up. He's leaving with the full posse people. He's holding his guitar, which is fucking cool that he doesn't have a roadie hold his guitar. The guy's like, uh, he's got to be over 60 and still, you know, he's walking with his guitar and I'm trying to, and now I realize this is my moment. This is my moment to actually catch Bob. We were trying to shake his hand. He's walking past me and I go, Hey Bob. And he turns around and then in a panic, I go, keep on trucking. Which is the lamest thing you could say to Bob Weir. I mean, that is so fucking lame. He doesn't need to hear that from me. Just in a really cool way, he goes, you bet, and keeps walking. And then I just realized, hey, you don't want to meet celebrities. You're just going to make an ass out of yourself. Like, what do you think's really going to come of it? Um, yeah, let's, uh, we can listen to a little bit of trucking while we move on to talking about meeting Doug Stanhope, who I was a little less pathetic in front of, luckily. Um, so I'd actually, I, I, I met Doug Stanhope one other time, which was, he was at Caroline's Comedy Club performing, and at the end of the show, I snuck into his green room, and Doug Stanhope is kind of a legendary party type figure, so I just assumed that it, it, his green room was going to be a part, like, I thought it was going to open up that door, and there were just going to be strippers and cocaine going on, and I would be able to just slink into the corner of the wall and kind of join what was going to be a chaotic circus party. You know what it kind of reminds me of? I don't know if you guys were ever uh, Simpsons fans, but there was this scene where Bart went to the Mad Magazine offices and he had this idea in his head that it was just going to be a circus. And they go, no, come on, this is an office place. And the door opens it up and it actually is a circus. (laughs) Uh, I don't know why that just came to me. I guess it's pretty relevant to what we're talking about. So I thought that that's what Doug Stanhope's green room was going to be like. And so he gets off stage. I just follow him right off stage past... I don't even know if there was any security at Caroline's, but I just followed him right past stage. Right when he walked into the green room, I just walked in right behind him. He closes the door, and then I'm in a tiny room with Doug Stanhope and his manager, and it's clear that it is totally inappropriate for me to be there. I have no right being in there. It was a room that's smaller than my tiny um, apart- the room I have in my apartment. It was a tiny room. Doug just got off stage. He's going to have a beer. And it's just uncomfortable. Him and his manager just kind of look up at me like, uh, um, I, I once hit a raccoon while driving. <laughs> so I can say, you know, like that old hostess thing where they look up with the, oh shit moment. Like, uh, where's the cream filling commercials? So they gave me that look of, what are you doing here? And I just looked at them. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm a big fan. I, I, I shouldn't have snuck in here. Um, big fan. I'll see you later. And I go to turn around and Doug's like, nah, here, have a beer. Hang out. And I probably hung out with the guy for like 10 minutes before he went outside to great fans. He could not have been a nicer, cooler dude. We talked about comedy a little bit. I was brand new. I mean, I still kind of stink and am brand new, but I mean, I'm 10 years brand new. So I'm not so brand new. I'm not 10 years in. I'm like six years in. I should check my facts a little bit. But at that time, I was like really barely doing open mics. Um, that's not even true. I was probably doing open mics for like two years. <laughs> at some point, you got to pretend like you haven't been trying to do this for as long as you have. <laughs> so anyways, he was super cool. So he's coming into the Gas Digital Studio. This is five years later. Um, I mean, it was last week, but it was five years after when I first met him. And I almost didn't want to go to meet him because I was like, oh, man, I actually had a perfect experience meeting this guy. Maybe I should just leave that alone. And I was like, nah, nah, nah. If he's there, let's uh, let's experience a little bit more of Doug Stanhope in person. And 
firstly, he, he's just a firstly, he's just a nice guy. I think on stage you kind of see him as a, a yelly guy. In person, he's just a really nice dude. Uh, but he comes in hot. It, like I, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but he comes in. He may crack some joke at our expense about giving him directions past. I, I don't know what it was, but he just comes in. He's being funny right away. We're in my boss's apartment, and he just goes right for the cups. He finds the cups, gets his ice. He's got a thermos with scotch that he walked in drinking, and he's going right. And this is like 2 in the afternoon. Um, so that guy's drinking is not an act. I don't know if that's something I should be putting out in the world. Like, fuck yeah, people should know that I'm hardcore about this or maybe be embarrassed about it. I don't know. But anyways, um, so he does uh, the SDR podcast, and then I got to smoke a cigarette out with him on the porch which was a very, uh, like, trying to hang out with the cool kids in high school moment. Because I don't really smoke, but I'm not going to not have a cigarette with Doug Stanhope. Are you kidding me? It's like the best moment of my entire life. But firstly, so, just kind of hung out with him a little bit. Pleasant guy to talk to. Uh, not like we had any in-depth conversation or anything like that. But there was an interesting moment while he was on the uh, SDR podcast. I'm going to phase out the music now. I've had enough of this. Um, which is... Doug Stanhope introduced me to, um, aside from good comedy, he introduced me to uh, libertarianism. I, I didn't even know that that was a thing prior to listening to Doug Stanhope's comedy. I knew I wasn't a Democrat. I knew I wasn't a Republican. I didn't even know that there was this other thing. And I'm not like a full-scale libertarian, per se. I would say a lean libertarian. But that's just a testament to how good that guy's comedy is, that he cannot just make you laugh but introduce you to a political philosophy. Now, part of what I find appealing about libertarianism is, firstly, I like drugs. When I was in high school and you're smoking pot, you just kind of realized, oh, the government's not my friend. I'm doing this harmless thing, not harming anybody, and in the eyes of society, I am a criminal, and I could go to jail for this. You just kind of realize, okay, government's not my friend. Next is, I was reading um, in college, I, I just always kind of had this feeling that our usage of debt in this country is ridiculous. And I couldn't quite wrap my head around the entire picture of how flawed and corrupt the system was. But one of the things that happened while I was in college is he had the, um, the um, housing market collapsed and you had all those hedge funds and banks that needed to be bailed out because of all the money that they lost in the subprime mortgage crisis. And I remember that happened while I was in college. I wrote a bunch of papers on it and you got a really good look at the corruption that exists in government and in Wall Street um, that basically you have these rating companies that are rating products that are paying their bills. In other words, like S&P, Moody, all these people are giving five-star ratings because the people who they're giving the five-star ratings are paying them. So it's in their financial best interest to just say, hey, this stuff is great. And then the banks, they make a profit just by selling the things and they're, they're packages that get together, so they don't care if they're selling people shitty mortgages. You got all these things that are going on, and then all the money is, is being flooded into the system by the government through Freddie Mac, Freddie Mac, and all this chaos is going on, basically creating a bubble, and you just kind of get a little bit of an insight into, oh, there's a lot of shenanigans going on behind the scenes. Um, and then one of the big authors I came across in college at one point was George Reisman, who I recommend. Uh, he's got some brilliant essays out there, but he had this, I've never been able to find the exact term, but he had this thing about dollar diplomacy where he was talking about how, uh, America is just as imperialistic as any other country that ever existed. The difference is everything that we're doing in the world in terms of pushing the American agenda, it's all about dollar demand. As long as we can keep demand for the dollar, people will continue to loan us money, they'll hold our currency, and we can keep the Ponzi scheme of printing dollars going. All comes down to dollar, man. We got to do some shitty stuff to keep dollar demand going. I'm going on a fucking tangent here. But 
The point is, with all that in my head, I never heard of the word libertarian. I didn't know that there was this other philosophy that existed. And then I found Doug Stanhope. The reason I found Doug Stanhope um, was because my entire act in my early years of comedy was I used to drink up on stage. That was it. And I went back to, I remember watching wrestling as a kid. Um, I don't know who the two dudes were, but these two dudes, they never even wrestled. They were like a protection squad. They were these two big black guys, and they always came out with beers, I, I don't know, there was, well, firstly, I like to drink, secondly, there was something funny in, in movies and television of the character that just always has a drink in his hand, I still find that funny, Adam Sandler put out a movie a couple years ago, That's My Boy with uh, uh, Andy Samberg, which I, I thought that was a funny movie, it, he's made some really shitty movies, I thought that one was a good movie, and he was also playing that character, guy with the drink in his hand the whole time, and what can I say, I'm, I'm a sucker for that comedy, I just think that that's funny, so I remember... Comedians were giving me shit, hey, don't go on stage and drink, you're always drinking, ah, a bunch of pussies, you know? And then somehow I came across Doug Stanhope, and this is a guy who always drinks on stage. I'm like, this is my guy. Look, you can just be drunk all the time and drink on stage. I am such an idiot. But anyways, <laughs> so I discovered Doug Stanhope's comedy, and what's great about it is some of the big ideas that he has. So I'm going to play you a couple um, quick bits. I promise you anything I play from Doug Stanhope is funnier, more interesting than anything I could possibly ramble. So I'm going to play you uh, two bits that really kind of give you the core of libertarian philosophy in such a funny joke. So I'm going to play, here's the first one, um, which is about marriage and kind of government's role in your personal life. Now the church is all upset about the gay man. <laughs> Why? It's one of those trick arguments where everyone's, it's a big issue that doesn't really fucking matter, but at the same time, the, the, the arguments don't matter. Oh, the gays should not get married. It's going to ruin family. What is it? Will we have every right? Marriage should not be a legal institution. That's the argument you should be having that no one will, the government should have no place in your love life. That should not, if you want to get married, it should be like joining a fraternity where you, you know, you want to get married, you go to your church or your Chuck E. Cheese and they do a crazy rain dance around you and some incantation and puff if you're a married person it doesn't mean anything if it, well what about tax breaks well, fuck it. if you want tax breaks incorporate right the government should only look at you as an individual no matter what right what if you're a fucking idiot and you're ugly it's like the carpool lane you can't find someone to marry it's discrimination right? it should not be a legal institution it shouldn't exist if marriage didn't exist would you invent it would you go, baby, this shit we got together, it's so good, we gotta get the government in on this shit. We can't just share this commitment between stars. We need judges and lawyers involved in this shit, baby, it's hot. But someone invented it. And now you're gonna do it or you're an asshole, right? It's like Secretary's Day. Every day was fun. Yeah, so that's one of my favorite jokes because it just points out the lunacy of government being involved or trying to regulate what you do in your personal life. Um, okay, so here's the next joke, and he's talking about licensing laws. He'll eat for a day. They say if you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, then he's got to get a fishing license, but he doesn't have any money. So he's going to get a job, and he has to get into the social security system and pay taxes. And now you're going to audit the poor cocksucker, because he's not really good with math. You pull the IRS van up to your house, he'll take all your shit. He'll take your black velvet Elvis, and your Batman toothbrush, and your penis pump, and that all goes up for auction with the burden of proof on you, because you forgot to carry the one. 
because you were just worried about eating a fucking fish and you couldn't even cook the fish because you needed a permit for an open flame and then the health department is going to start asking you a lot of questions about where are you going to dump the scales and the guts this is not a sanitary environment and ladies and gentlemen if you get it you get sick of it all at the end of the day not even legal to kill yourself in this country thanks again john ashcroft you weird bible addict can't even handle his own drug you were born free, you got fucked out of half of it, and you wave a flag celebrating. <laughs> so aside from the fact that it's completely hilarious, it, those are ideas I was never even exposed to. The idea of government gets in the way of people trying to live their lives. That And, and then you do some research about, like, um, part of why the stock market went up when Trump got elected was they thought that he was going to actually get rid of um a lot of laws uh I, oh man i'm kind of stumbling on my words here but you got all these laws that companies are prohibited from doing blah 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 and they, they estimated that if trump came along and he got rid of all of those laws the economic productivity that we would have would create a boom in this country and that's why the stock market went up government gets in the way of industries Government, it's not here to help us, and these were all hilarious jokes that I heard from him that really made me rethink what my political philosophy might be. And then, being a super fan, I then checked out interviews with Doug Stanhope, um, and he talked about being a libertarian. And so what was interesting the other day on the podcast was, um, because Dave Smith was also on, who's a hardcore libertarian, and uh, so just to stir up conversation show host, um, Ralph Sutton, he said, you know, I think the two of you guys share political philosophies and you being a libertarian. And Doug was kind of like, eh, I'm not really a libertarian. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that I have that much faith in people that if we completely removed government, uh, people would behave in a good way. And then he kind of said, um, I'm actually just more interested in overpopulation. Now, Doug also, as long as we're ripping off his content to make this podcast somewhat <laughs> entertaining. I have another unbelievable bit from him about um, overpopulation, uh, which I'm going to play as well, and then we're going to talk a little more uh, libertarian nonsense. Humanity. Humanity is no different than any other commodity where the more you have, the less it's worth. Because we hear old people talk about, you know, this used to be a community. When we grew up here in the 40s, this neighborhood was a community and everybody knew everybody else's name and when you'd see someone you'd don your hat good morning mrs robinson and everyone knew the postman now now everyone's just rude and self-centered no one talks to anybody and it's a whole different you know why lady because when it was a fucking cool nice neighborhood you had fucking 10 kids and they all had fucking 10 kids and now it's a just a, a concentration camp of fucking people and you've fucking devalued the currency and the people aren't worth any it's the same like if you had a kitten at home imagine you had a little kitten at home and it gave you great joy hello mr bimbles how was your night I went out with Kevin, and he still doesn't want to have a commitment. But I don't need a commitment, because I have you. You're all I need, Mr. Pimples. You get actual joy from that kitten. Imagine if you went home tonight, all of a sudden, 
There's 675 kittens in that same one-bedroom apartment. You be going, motherfucking kittens everywhere. I'll fucking kill, goddammit. Kevin, get my golf shoes. We're fucking killing kittens tonight. I fucking, I will twist your goddamn neck until your eyes come out. You motherfucker, I will hang you Apocalypse Now style from the doorknob to warn other kittens. Kittens not worth shit anymore. You've made it worthless by making too many of the fucking things. So it happens to me he's got quite a few uh, bits on the overpopulation thing. But at first I was a little taken back by the fact that he was disassociating from being a libertarian because to me he was such a libertarian hero and he really opened me up to a lot of those ideas. But I, I think he's just more concerned about overpopulation. He's taken up uh, that cause a little more as being um, the single issue that we need to address in terms of improving humanity. Uh, so it, it, while it was a little disappointing, wow, what a thrill to meet the guy. And there you got a little comedy education of what I think are some of the best bits ever. And as long as we're ripping off other people's comedy to give a little comedy education and some of the best bits about government ever, I have a quick joke from Nick DiPaolo, and then we're going to move on into our next segment. I get pulled over for not wearing a seatbelt, $150 fine. Anybody else hate this law besides me? About 80 years, really? You're all for big government? Is that why Obama's winning this fucking thing? You really want government in your car? Who am I endangering other than myself by not wearing a seatbelt? Seriously, if I go through a windshield, what am I going to continue on like a heat-seeking missile and hit a daycare center? That's not what happens. You usually end up half in the car, half on the hood, blood in your eye socket, shit in your pants, you're a vegetable. I watch CSI, I know this stuff. Of course, the cop is all arrogant. He goes, walks up to my window. Hope you got a good reason for an hour in that seatbelt tonight. I went, yeah, I'm married. Sorry, I just thought it was on theme of unbelievable jokes about uh, government. Now, in terms of overpopulation being an issue, so I just read an article today. Uh, this was crazy to me. So the world's current population of 7.6 billion will balloon to 9.8 billion in 2050. India and China, I don't know, they got to slow down their amount of fucking, but India is going to surpass China with the amount of people. And then Nigeria, this was insane to me, Nigeria plans uh, will have more people living in Nigeria than the U.S. Uh, pretty soon, and 70% of Nigerians live on less than $1.25 a day. If you're in Nigeria, why the fuck are you having kids? Like, I think kids are great. I, I think you're going to be miserable in life if you don't procreate. You're really just here to do one thing, and that's reproduce yourself. It seems like it seems like if you looked at us as a computer program, th that's what you're supposed to do. Every animal in the world is just trying to fill its belly and fuck and reproduce. I don't think we're any different. Um, but I think kids are a luxury good. Like I, I think if you can't afford them, just the amount of stress I have in life trying to take care of myself, if you don't have money for kids, don't have them. Like It, it just seems like a big old ball of misery. I don't get why people living in Nigeria, these third world countries, are having kids. I just, I, I, 
maybe it's all an accident. They got nothing to do, so they're they're fucking. They're not really forward thinking. You got to put some Jew anxiety into these people in Nigeria. Slow down their uh, kid roll. All right. Um. So next thing we're gonna do is I'm gonna call up Yosef, the good old Yussel. Get some coughing in, and uh, we're gonna take a look at some other news that was going on this week. Mr. Yussel? Yes. What's up? You're live. You're on air. Nice to have you back. What's cooking? What is cooking? Um, nothing's cooking. Can I tell you, this call... <laughs> Wait, what was that? Can I what? Oh, no, no, no. Were, were you saying something? I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I thought, that, uh, thought you were just cutting me off. No, I didn't want to cut you off. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> 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 Were you saying something and I cut you off? No. Okay. was not saying much. These phone calls are, I, I feel like, representative of what I've done my entire life. That we had one lazy week where I was like, you know what, for this one week, you can just call in. It's not a big deal. We'll do it that way and then we'll get back to normal. And then we realized this was so much easier than traveling. I feel like this is becoming the new norm. Yeah, but we need to start uh, meeting up, though. All right, well, we'll figure it out. I mean, the original structure was supposed to be that we did this every other week, so that I was coming to you once a month, you were going to come to me once a month. Then we went weekly almost immediately, and I stopped working in Times Square, so getting to you was a pain in the ass. So we do have some things to figure out, but we'll, uh, I don't know, we'll have my secretary talk to your secretary, the producer will get on it, and we'll figure it all out. Um, all right, I got, I got an incident I want to get into unless there's anything that you want to report. Um, no, nothing to report. Nothing, uh, nothing to weigh in on. Okay, hold on one second, I'm adjusting some levels here. So, the other day, I got my homeless friend who, uh, who lives in the area. I think we've, uh, mentioned him on the podcast before. So, he hangs out at Starbucks every once in a while, I'll walk across the street, hang out with him for a little bit, have a cup of coffee, go about my merry way. So, the other day, I walk into Starbucks, and my friend is sitting there, and he's wearing an SS shirt, which... Like, those probably aren't even that easy to come across. You have to really want to own and wear an SS shirt in order to be wearing it. It almost took me a second uh-huh. to, like, even pro like, is that an SS shirt? So I sit down with him, and I'm, and by the way, he has a grandmother who survived the Holocaust, so it's a weird shirt to wear. So I sit down, I'm like, are you wearing an SS shirt? And while he starts telling me about while he's wearing the shirt, some random dude walks up to him and shakes his hand in a way that, like, he just came back as a hero from service. Like, that he just served oh, our country. Like, some guy walks over and just said, puts out his hand, like, I want to congrat. That is a great shirt. Where do you get it? Like, they shared some noble bond that no one else had and this instant friendship. And I, I don't really think all that much about anti-Semitism, but that was, like, pretty shocking that in the two minutes I'm sitting next to some kid in an SS shirt, some random dude has to come over and make conversation with him. Was it like an SS uniform, or was it like a T-shirt that just had like the SS? It was logo? a black T-shirt with like the SS on the chest, but like large, like covering the whole face of the T-shirt. Oh boy! Yeah, pretty. Uh, so it was like a fan of the SS, as opposed to like oh, wearing their their garb. Yeah, no, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't. But it was the. It was very clearly the SS symbol. Like those are pretty yeah. noticeable. Yeah, so as long as we've established that anti-Semitism exists, I'd like to take this opportunity and throw some more into the world. Um, Elal 
is hands down the world's worst airline. I haven't flown all that much, but every time I've ever flown on El Al, miserable experience. When's the last time you went to Israel? Uh, five years ago. Five years and ago? I think I went on El Al. And how, how... I traveled from London. It's possible that I didn't, but it's very possible that I didn't. I don't remember exactly. How was, how was the experience overall? Do you find them to be a worse airline than other airlines, or you're indifferent on this? Um, pretty indifferent, but lean a little towards it being fine. Okay. Um, uh, and their security is like really fucking good. That's true. There's secu- I, I, okay. So, um, anyways, I've had this experience when you get on El Al that they have Hasidic Jews that don't want to sit next to women, which by the way, they just ban that. Like if you're a Hasidic Jew, you get on a flight, they won't let you switch seats because you don't want to sit next to a female. But I've had this experience uh-huh. where I've gotten to the airport hours early because I wanted to try and get an aisle seat. I'm a bug out guy. Like I need an aisle seat if I'm going to be on a plane. I cannot, which is mostly because I need to be able to get to the bathroom without thinking, oh, I'm going to disturb the person next to me. What's your seat preference? Oh, for sure. I, I like the leg room and being able to kind of have them a little bit outside the aisle. Right. You know? My big thing is I just... A little extra room. I don't mind if the people on the inside bother me all flight, but if I'm kind of feeling like I'm trapped and if I want to get up, I have to bother someone that really gets to me, so I'd just rather be the person on the outside, which is almost a fair system because I'm unbothered if you want to move me. So anyways, I've gotten to the airport hours early so that I could try and get that aisle seat because it used to be last time I flew, you couldn't like really request or reserve in advance. It was The game was getting there really early so that you could pick your seat. Um, so I always tried, I, I would always get there like, you know, six hours early, get the aisle seat. Then I'd board the flight early so that you can get your stuff up into the overhead. And then I had this experience where like three minutes before the plane is about to take off, stewardess comes up to you and goes, I need you to switch seats. And you're like, why is that? And they go, well, this acidic guy doesn't want to sit next to a lady. And you go, great. Is she hot? I'll sit next to her. But that's never what the option is. <laughs> it's always like, we need you to move on the inside. And then you're going to be sandwiched between these two acidic guys. And one time I fell for it. Um, and then I, after that experience, I was like, that's never happening again. I had another time I was on a flight to Israel and like, they tried to, and I was like, unless it's an aisle seat, I'm not moving. And then they start laying the guilt on you where they're like, oh, well we can't take off. We need to take off. You're holding up the whole flight. You're like holding up the whole flight. I got here hours early. You find me an aisle seat. I'll move. If not, I'm not switching flight like seats. This is my seat. Um, I I don't know. Have you ever had that experience? Um, I have only, I don't think I've been demanded, especially not in the Hasidic uh, need to get away from women department. Um, There was one time where I was on the other side of it, where on this tiny plane where it was like (laughs) we had to be in a someone else had to move for us because the seats that we were assigned didn't have, like, um, a kid air, what, what the hell, the oxygen mess. So someone had to do it, and they treated it as if, like, it was their own private jet, and we were, like, asking, you know, like, just, you know, causing them the biggest harm, even though it was literally moving the same seat, like, not even, like, aisle to middle. It was just like changing rows with them. Right. And and that wasn't your fault. That was the airline's fault that they were missing an oxygen mask. Um, but my feeling is on the El Al situation, the acidic Jews, they got to get over themselves. 
Like, believe me, you don't have so much game that you're going to sit next to some chick and end up having sex with her on a flight. Like, you're not sitting down and some lady's going, oh, is that a dirty coat and a strimal and the smell of body odor? I am not normally this forward. But me and you, right here, right now, let me tell you, as a guy... Who, yeah, who, yeah. who these guys think they are? Like, that they're going to be just like... That they have either no self-control that they're just going to get on top of these ladies or... They think the world of them that, like, being on an eight-hour flight is going to cause this woman sitting next to them, like, have, like, the strongest desire to have sex with them. Right. It's not going to happen. It's ridiculous. Well, that's something that I'm looking back on my time in very religious study, that the rabbis kind of made it seem like if you were unobservant, you would get laid all the time. Like, for example, they have... (laughs) They have that. They have iser yichud. You're not allowed to be alone with the chick. And let me tell you, these rabbis either had incredible game or super perverted minds. Because I've been alone with women plenty and always struck out. Like, there's no situation like, oh, you're alone with the chick, and we all know you're just gonna end up having like, how good looking were these rabbis that women were just coming after them if they were left alone with them? <laughs> um, but now I've taken all flights, and these Hasidic gentlemen. They're they're not the most pleasant to sit next to. Like if, if I'm taking a flight, I'll dress up like a chick just so I don't have to sit next to one of these people. I don't think women did themselves a favor on this one. Tell No, because now the policy is someone sued El All, an older lady, um, sued El All because she had to move switch seats because a gentleman didn't want to sit next to her. I bet your average female flying in El All would rather not have to sit next to a Hasidic gentleman. Also, so probably kind of goes both ways. Oh, I see. Yeah, they they kind of like screwed themselves. Yeah, I think so. Damn that Holocaust surviving lady who sued El Al. <laughs> um, okay, moving on. I read this article about Prince Harry and how he wants no one in the royal family wants to be king or queen. So first, one of the things I, I, I first learned about the uh, royal family is they're not that wealthy. They, they, they're worth like five or six hundred million dollars, but they're like... Compared to some of the billionaires in the world. No, but that's wealthy. But they're like, I mean, you think about them as being extreme royalty. You don't realize that they're not even as wealthy as like a Michael Bloomberg or Donald Trump. Yeah, but like they're not, they're not in the business world where they're trying to. Right, but that's, that almost makes me look down on them that they've had more of a step up than anybody. They haven't been able to capitalize on that. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, most of their money is actually in real estate, so I don't know why they wouldn't want to expand their real estate ventures. They're almost a bunch of lazy bums. They just like to hang out, go to their royal parties, and they have no interest in uh, in opportunity or building their wealth. I, I find it a little surprising. Okay. Okay. I think five hundred million dollars is a decent chunk. But did you have anything to say about Prince Harry not wanting to be king or? Yeah. I comment on that. Yes. I, oh, do you have a comment on that? Go for it if you got a comment. Well, the thing is, like, I, I find him saying that it's like, well, the chances of you being becoming king, you know, before you're like 90 are pretty slim. Like, he's pretty right low on the totem pole. Like, so, either William would have to, like, die before him, you know, like, for him to say, it's one thing if William said that, then it'd be like, oh shit, like, oh wow, you know, we need to have some backup plans. But like, Prince Harry, like, okay, like, 
all right, whatever. I'm like, we don't really need you anyway. That's sho- you know? Firstly, it's shocking to me that you actually know this much about the royal family. But the quote, I mean, it was just a headline. So headlines can be wrong all the time. But I'll read this. He actually suggested that none of the royal family wants the throne. So that when the queen dies, him, his brother, no one really wants to take up the post. Which is pretty surprising. I mean, I, I don't know that he can speak for his brother, that his brother's not interested. But that's what the article well, was father, suggesting. Their father comes first. Uh, that that's, I, I don't know anything about them. Here was the line that I thought was ridiculous. So he added that if he were to have children, they would have an ordinary, ordinary life, saying, even if I was king, I would do my own shopping, as if shopping is ordinarily life. Like, there's nothing normal about not having to work all week and then just doing the fun luxury part. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's saying that, like, Oh, yeah. That's, that's pretty fucked up. That's normal life to him is, oh, I'll go out and do my own shopping. That's what people, yeah. like, live <laughs> to be able to do. Percent, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's the fun thing that people live to do on the weekends that they try and work all weeks so that they can go do. Like, go, that normal life, sure. All right. Oh, jerk. Now, Bill Cosby, off the hook. I mean, not in the court of... Firstly, what do you, th- what do you think of the... I- I'm kind of... In the overall, a fan of the court of public opinion. I like. I, I like the free market. I like the idea of like. I, I I see the negative to it. You had like those do kids who got a, accused of uh, rape. That was like twenty years ago. But I remember that incident, and then it turned out that it was totally not true. So there is something to be said for let's actually go to court, provide evidence, and seek through the facts as opposed to just having a witch hunt and everyone. You know, people are a bunch of dummies. They could be misled, and they could yell things. I, I don't know what what's like your general opinion of the court of public opinion. Um, I think like in this case, like it's it's definitely good because you know, getting off on the like technicality, like you mean because there's some degree of justice, like that and that is, yeah, like like it. <laughs> I think even he would have been like, okay, like, yeah, I did some questionable things. And if he's being judged by, the, as you're saying, like, the court of public opinion, like, people are just going to think that, you know, he's a dirtbag and, like, that's the way he's viewed as opposed to how it was ruled where, like, oh, okay, like, we can't really prove exactly how this went down and, you know, basically, like, you're off the hook. Right. So I'm actually... Like I'm, you can't really be, yeah. like, off the hook with the, the general public. Right. I'm kind of a fan of the court of public opinion as well. Because, um, like, for example, I was reading an article a couple weeks ago about Bernie Madoff's wife that she lives in Greenwich, but she's kind of surrounded by people that her husband ripped off. And um, that's a consequence. Like, she used to live a very glamorous life. Now she can't even really interact with people in a normal way because even though she's not guilty of anything... She's just kind of disliked, and um, I guess that is a factor the same way of justice being served and preventing people from doing crimes. Uh, I I think the court of public opinion, everyone kind of wants to be cool, respected by their peers, or well-liked, and if even things that you can't be prosecuted for just make it to the court of public opinion, that is a consequence. So... um, in the overall, I think I like, like, I, I do also see the negative of that if you never have to go to court and prove anything, like, who are we to maybe judge our fellow man? But I think in the overall, I'm, I'm, I'm pro it. I'd have to give it a little more thought, but what do you think? No, I'm, I'm, I'm I think, like, justice still has to be served in, to some degree. Like, I still, still have to go through 
through courts for like major stuff, but like obviously like you can't you can't say like oh you have to you know feel positively about me like that's just you know because it was it was ruled that way right like, that's that's not gonna fly ever. Right. So what I really want to highlight here is um, some of what I was reading seems a little bit wild about the jury process. I want to read this. Um, This was a quote from one of the jurors who was involved in the case. So he goes, the jury deadlocked after 30 hours of deliberation, and there was no movement after that. The juror said, adding that the tension was heightened by the size of the tiny deliberation room. So they're in a tiny room. And then here was his quote. People couldn't even pace. They were just literally walking in circles where they were standing because they were losing their minds. People would just start crying out of nowhere, which sounds to me more like you're describing Cosby's victims than the jury. Like, if, if you got a decision process here that includes people that are so stressed out that they're crying, are they really making an informed decision? Like, you, you got to fix something here. That That's no way. I've never made an informed decision in my life thinking, all right, I'm going to go pace around for an hour and lose my mind until I'm so stressed that I cry. That's not a good way to to make decisions. Yeah. Maybe maybe you waited out another day after that, let things settle after that, and then make your, your real decision. Or, or I would think just cut them off. Like, you heard the facts. Maybe people are just taking too much time. Like, you just need a time limit where the, the judge comes in. Because I, I, you have two options here. One option is we don't have enough information to make a decision, um, which then becomes like the, the hung jury, or he's definitely guilty. So if, if it's going on for this long, I think it's reasonable just to say, okay, they don't have enough information to make a decision. Like, you can't... I don't know, you can't solve a problem if you don't have all the puzzle pieces kind of thing. So if you don't have enough information to say guilty, then can't we just determine that at some point? Like, the, the you know what I mean? Like, the, the judge comes in like the referee after day seven. You guys still don't have a decision? Okay, then we clearly don't have enough evidence. Oh, then it's like an automatic off the hook? Yeah, I, because, I, I, I mean, I... I I'm going to be honest. I did no research on this. I don't know that much about the trial system, but it seems to me like that was the final conclusion is we don't have enough evidence to make a conviction. So I would think that if you're deliberating for over a certain amount of time, that's already indicative of the fact that you guys aren't sure of your decision. Or on the same note, like why leave people in a room where if it's 7-2 and the 7 are trying to convince the 2, why make it a system where the 2 might just fold because it's like interrogation that they're stuck in a room with 7 people that are angry with them that want to get out of the room? That doesn't seem like justice either. Yeah, like that doesn't solve Right. So, I, I, firstly, I, I'm almost thinking that maybe these guys just wanted free lunch. Like, they're getting good lunch and dinner, so they just keep going, oh, we don't have a decision. Because I don't get how, if you have the option of going... Like, I'm a lazy guy. If I don't have to come to a conclusion on something, I'm just not going to. So I feel like if I was on this jury, unless it's so obvious, oh my god, we have to serve justice, this guy's clearly guilty of what we're trying him for, I would instantly, like on day one, just be like, all right, is anyone here completely sure that he should be convicted? No? All right, let's call it a day. We're done with this. Sorry, guys. Don't have enough information. Well, you have to think about who these people are. Right. <laughs> you mean the people are actually serving on a jury. That's true. Um, now, there could possibly be a retrial, which also seems nutty to me, because just going through the whole thing again 
is exhausting. Like, I don't like doing things twice. If I was the lawyer, I would get up from the next jury like, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, uh, I want to let you know I just won this case. I know you weren't there, but we kind of already did this already. <laughs> like, I can't imagine just getting in front of a new jury, doing it from scratch. Uh, it seems to me like you're wearing them down. Like, how many opportunities do you get to try and get a conviction I feel like if we get in front of enough juries at some point, you're going to convince them. Like, why do you get more than one chance? Right. And then here's the other thing. I was wondering, like, if they win the second time, does it then go to two out of three? Do we have a draw match? Like, because <laughs> then it's just one and one. You, you'd have to go to a third one. Yeah, they go to the third one, not even a third jury, just one jury versus the other. And they have to, like, work it out between them or argue their cases of what, what they they decided all right Yussel this was a pleasure um that's all I had on the agenda for me and you now now I'm gonna call up my friend uh Mike Lemmy we're gonna talk about loitering at Whole Foods a little bit are you whatever let me give uh let me give Mike a call I'm gonna hang up on you and I'll uh, catch up with you during the week and we'll have to arrange to actually do this in person all right later pal all right that is uh it for Yussel and now we're gonna call into my Buddy old pal Mike Lemmy, fellow Whole Foods loiterer, um, who's out on the road. He's on a comedy tour, so we can also hear about his comedy tour a little bit. Here we go. Call him Mike. Bobby Bernstein. Mike Lemmy. Can you hear me, buddy? Yeah, hold on. I'm going to go outside. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you. Uh, perfect. Oh, dude. Uh, oh, are, we, are we recording already? Dude, we are live right now, minus the live part. Oh, what's up, man? Hey, what's, what's going on, guys? We are recording. How's uh, how's life on the road? Life on the road is amazing. I am uh, currently drinking a beer outside in the middle of uh, Wisconsin. And you're anytime you're drinking in the middle of the day, something's going right. Uh, how many how many shows have you guys done so far? Uh, we did two shows so far. Third shows tonight, and then uh, we're doing a backyard show in Madison, Wisconsin tomorrow. Who, uh, who's backyard? This point, what's up? Who's backyard? Some comedian. Some comedian in Wisconsin does a, a monthly show in their backyard, and we, uh, we're hopping on it. Okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curi- a very successful comedian. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm curious to know, how is my good friend, my best friend, Seth Zakula's act coming across to these crowds? Oh, he's destroying, man. Is he is he? killing uh, it everywhere we go, man. They just spread him the truth of Olive Garden nationwide. <laughs> uh, they love him, man. They, he's, uh, he's, he's, we did a, a rock club the other night, and just to have that big of a stage and see him moving around the stage was amazing. Oh, that's so fun. Uh, so my listeners, they don't know who my best friend Sessa Cool is, but he's got one of the weirdest and funniest acts. Usually with comics, like you can watch someone's act once, and then that's it. But his thing is so nutty that it, it, it's fun every time, and he changes it up. So I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that it works outside of the village. Um, it, he's, he's one of those comedians. Like, there's not a lot of comedians uh, left out. Like, you just have to go see them live. Like, you can't. Like, that's true. He's, like, even if you only see, you only see him for, like, 10 minutes, you're like, this is, this is just ridiculous. You, like, get on top of tables and just, like, <laughs> he's, basically, he's basically a professional wrestler. He became a comedian, pretty much. I think, it, well... I guess he moves around kind of like a professional. It, to me, it's more like a Baptist church, almost like a like a Kinnison a preacher, yeah, preacher yeah, yeah. thing. <laughs> but it's about 
the joys of Olive Garden and it can be for five minutes or 20 minutes on the single topic and it just builds and it's so fucking weird. It's unbelievable. All right. Let's yeah, the, the fact that he can keep people's attention, I can barely keep their attention on my joke. And this guy's <laughs> just walking around the stage, man. It's beautiful. Uh, it's the best. Um, this is a very comedy-heavy episode that we're doing here, but it's all good. I got to meet uh, Doug Stanhope the other day. I got to hang out with him a little bit. Are you a fan of his? Nah. Dude, I love Doug Stanhope. I'm, I'm hosting at the Hartford Funny Bone in a couple weeks, and he's there like a the neck of boy. I might just like go up there just to watch him. He's doing like a one-nugger at the, at the Funny Bone. I'm like, I got to go see him. Yeah. I love his podcast, too, man. He's, he, dude, he's such a cool dude. He's the best ever, and he happens to just be a, a nice person. Um, so let's get into it. The reason you're on the phone right now is that we're brothers in arms in our love for Whole Foods. I mean, yes. my love of Whole Foods is next level. I, I, I am a top-level Whole Foods loiterer, and like me, you're concerned that with Amazon taking over Whole Foods, they might end our party parade. I'm worried about it, man. Like, I, I quit my day job a month ago, and like, I, used to spend, I used to spend, like, I mean, I quit my day job now playing backyard right. in Madison, Wisconsin, baby, so, so things are going well. You need Whole Foods uh, <laughs> now more than ever. Whole Foods is practically I your need, office. Yeah. yeah, so I used to spend eight hours a day in a cubicle, and now I spend eight hours a day in the Gowanus Brooklyn Whole Foods. <laughs> and, like, that, dude, that is my office, and I love it. And I'm hoping Amazon doesn't, like, start, like, putting time on Or they or they turn the areas that we enjoy loitering in into the shipping space because they come in, they're just practical business people. They go, okay, we bought this place so that we could ship groceries to people and be close to them. What areas do we have that's free space that we can convert so that we can start shipping out oh, of here? Yeah. And then they see me and you loitering there and they go, okay, we don't need this bald dude and the skinny guy. Those are two things that we don't need here. We could start shipping out from yeah. the tables. You don't, um, need, you don't need the homeless dudes and the broke comedians brushing their teeth and the uh, bathroom. <laughs> it, it, but it's unbelievable. To, you actually don't see too many, like, you don't see the undesirables hanging out where we loiter. It seems to be kind of a, um, an upper, like, it's not like a Starbucks. It's not as much as a free-for-all. The, well, that's the one in, the, the one in the, we're going to get deep into the Whole Foods right now. The one in Union Square has, like, some of the sketchiest human beings just wandering around there. They have a security guard in the bathroom, like, late at night. Like, oh. you walk in there, and there's just a dude sitting in the chair. It's like a bouncer waiting for you to get into the bathroom. It's insane. <laughs> oh, because the one that we were hanging out does not have that at all. So, first thing... No, that depends on the neighborhood. <laughs> so, first thing, I want to give a breakdown of why Whole Foods is the greatest thing in the world. Um, so, the first thing that you could start with is just the fucking food. I mean, off the bat, that's yeah. that salad bar at the Whole Foods... What's the one I like down on Houston Street, right? Uh, Houston Street, baby. Come on. Houston Street. Me, come on, Matt. You're a New Yorker, bro. Come on. Thank you. Thank you for the correction. <laughs> that salad bar, to me, is the best restaurant in all of Manhattan. You go in there... You pick exactly what you want. You load it up. It's ten bucks. If I dated, that would be my date spot without question. Dude, it's just it's just a great place. You can you can go buy delicious food. Uh, you can loiter there for a couple hours. You can charge your phone. You can use the internet. You can brush your teeth in the bathroom. I do that all the time. I'm a pro comedian. I have nowhere else to go. Wait, you actually? It's, it's an amazing place. They get like cheap burritos, like seven dollar burritos. Fill you up for the whole day. They're healthy too. I'm in love with this place, man. I should have quit my job years ago. <laughs> if I had known that I could just live at a Whole Foods, I never would have worked in an office. Do you actually? Dude, bro all I have, I have a laptop. I'm sending, I'm doing business from Whole Foods, bro. Like I'm, I'm posted up there sending out business email. 
Do you actually brush your teeth in that bathroom? Dude, I brush my teeth in so many bathrooms, bro. You don't even know. You don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I just carry a toothbrush and toothpaste around with me, and every time I'm just um, in a coffee shop, I brush my teeth everywhere. That's yeah, like, listen, I'm, I'm unemployed, I'm broke, but you don't need to have bad breath at the same time. Right. It's funny because I've actually had homeless comics on the show before, so people are going to think, you, you just have too many comedians living in your apartment that you have to go elsewhere um, for access to running like, water. I, I can't, I don't know how, like, I don't know how uh, your listeners feel about this, but I can't get anything done in my apartment. Like, as soon as I, especially living in New York, like, it's such a small space, and I have so many roommates, that as soon as I wake up, I want to leave to go be productive, so that's why I go to Whole Foods, because it does feel like a, like, like a little office. Right. No, you don't have to tell me about not being productive at home. Um, but let's talk about the bathrooms. Firstly, their bathroom access is phenomenal. Secondly, their bathroom is not just one small bathroom. It, it actually has two shitters in it, and they keep it clean so often, you frequently have to wait because they're cleaning it. That might be the yeah. best public bathroom in all of Manhattan, hands down. Are you going to argue with me on that? I'll give it to you, man. Dude, they don't even know about the one in Brooklyn. The one in Brooklyn's gorgeous, okay? Like, it's two, like the one in Brooklyn has two floors, and there's two different bathrooms on each floor. And it's just like, you could spend... And there's no one in there rushing you. Like, there's no one at that whole There's The one in Brooklyn, like, you could just take, a, a like, a half-hour shit in there, and no one will bother you. Beautiful. Like, you could just... <laughs> you, you could show up there in the morning with your newspaper, your toothbrush, coffee, just ready to spend the day. Show up like a construction worker with, like, a thermos with a packed lunch. <laughs> no one's going to oh, bother yeah. you. You can make you can oh, dude, fucking picnic time, there. Like oh. sometimes I'll go I'll go there in the morning and I'll stay there till like five. And then I'll go do shows and I'll come back to do like a night shift. <laughs> I'm single, by the way. I'm single. I have no one that cares about me. I'm just, I'm just me. It's all I have is my joke book and Whole Foods. That's all I have. Don't uh, take that away from me. I'm, uh, I love. All I got, bro. I love that we're basically running a commercial for loiter at Whole Foods. Okay. Yes. Here's the next. But that's the best thing about New- like my uncle, my uncle and my cousins came into New York City for like a day, and they hit me up and they're like, "Oh, what should we do?" We met up, and I realized like all I do is just loiter at places until it's time to do stand up. Like <laughs> all we do is walk around, like hang out at a coffee shop. <laughs> I could see people being on board for that. If I go to a new town, like people are mall people. I don't like malls; they're gross to me. They're just I don't know. They're too. Oh, yeah. They're too big. I was they're... just at the Mall of America yesterday, and I was I was not a fan. I needed the Whole Foods. Right. I, I go to a new city. The people are like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, where's the Whole Foods? That's all I need. I'll spend all day yeah. there. Okay, so the next, yeah, thing, yeah. the next thing that's incredible is the kind of open floor plan that, I mean, one of the best views is in Manhattan is you go to that Houston Street Whole Foods, you sit on that second floor, the tables aren't cramped, you, you get plenty of space, uh-huh. you got a nice view. I mean, who could even afford office space like that? You know, like you go to a store. Oh, no, yeah, take it away. Go go for it. I mean, that is that is a talking point about how see, great loitering there is. You see all these co-working, co-working businesses pop up, like the WeWorks and stuff like that, and like it costs like a fortune just to get a seat at like a shared table at, a, at an office space when you have all this all this open land at Whole Foods. Which Why? Is, it makes a good point. Like Amazon might come in and shut all that down because that's a lot of that's a lot of square space in Manhattan. Crazy. I'm if you're a business person and you're looking at what don't we need here? It's me and you. Those are the two things you don't need. But at the moment, you're right. If I was opening up a business tomorrow with just one or two employees, I'm just getting to Whole Foods early enough for where the outlets are. That's all you need to run oh, a business. That's, yeah, that's that's the tough one about the house industry. One is there's not a lot of outlets. So you got you got to be strategic. Or you got to have your battery charged. So like you can't you can't <laughs> show up there and not get an outlet. The one in Brooklyn has a lot more outlets. Or you come uh, in. The one in you, 
you I've come, never I've never spent a lot of time in Union Square one. Uh, the Union Square one just sketches me out, kind of. You start um you start your own business where you come in with like an extension cord with multiple places to plug in a computer, and then you oh, start dude, renting people on, the bro. office yeah, space. You, you just take over one of those like sixty tables. You can have a whole company there. You get your your marketing person, your your CFO. They're all at the table, man. Absolutely. That can and make. You, they don't pressure you into buying anything. Right. That could make a funny sketch of like running a fake sales team, almost like a, um, like a boiler room kind of operation where you kind of come in yeah. and you set up what looks like an entire sales team at one of those tables. That could be really funny. Which brings and us to the, no one will ever bother you. That's what I'm saying. Which brings us to the next point of just how ridiculously accommodating Whole Foods is of loiterers of like us is that when you sign into their Wi-Fi, so they go. Um, your Wi-Fi is good for the next two hours. After two hours, get this, we might ask you to sign in again. They're not telling you, like, hey, yeah. you got to purchase something or we might cut off your access. Yeah. They're just like, oh, yeah. we're, we're sorry to be annoying, but two hours from now, you might have to click OK a second time. <laughs> like, we got it. We got it. You're going you're gonna to be here for a while. Yeah, we're cool. <laughs> and the Wi-Fi is phenomenal. Like, the one the one on Houston Street gets a little slow, but this one in Gowanus, man, listen, I shouldn't be talking this much. If I go to Gowanus, I see a lot of your listeners there. I'm going to pick the fuck out, okay? So, Don't worry. Uh, I think I think up? we get about fifty listeners, and Whole Foods can accommodate all of them. In fact, I think me and you should put together a podcast Whole Foods party, in which if any of yeah. our listeners want to come out, we'll treat them to some delicious Whole Food cookies. I think I think this could definitely be a spinoff podcast right now. <laughs> like if we're very passionate about, it. I've never been more passionate about a subject before. <laughs> the Whole Foods Retreat Podcast, which brings us to our last topic. At least of the house and street Whole Foods. Firstly, there's nothing about Whole Foods that's more expensive than anywhere else, in my opinion. I mean, the salad I get there is cheaper than other places. I buy Poland Spring delicious seltzers for 89 cents. I've never seen that anywhere else. But the people that are there are fucking beautiful people. Me and you are the misfits. We're the ugly people amongst a world. Uh, like, I, I don't even. Well, well, speak, speak for yourself, for instance. <laughs> Come on, I'm doing, a, I'm doing a backyard in Madison, Wisconsin. That's right. You, you, got the, uh, you got the skinny, long, fancy hair look. Like, you, you could pull off yeah, kind of um, like rock and roll, but just got into heroin. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect way to explain your healthy, skinny thing. Um, I know, man. Dude, you got to check out the one in Gowanus, bro. There's so many hot picks there. More than, the, more than the House and Street one? Yeah, but that's the thing about the one in Brooklyn. It's like hot chicks and then families. I don't know how families like uh, can afford to live in Brooklyn, but it's always like, if you go there during the day, it's like a couple hot chicks and a bunch of like uh, married couples with their like little kids. I'll hit on a single Where? mom. No problem. That, that sounds like that might Dude. even be a better market for me. Oh, of course. Dude, you got to come to the Gowanus. Like, you got to do a road trip sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm into it. Well, we do fly from the Gowanus Whole Foods. <laughs> right. Dude, I, you filmed an episode of Broad City at this one. That's crazy. Have you, um, I, have, I haven't tried hitting on women at the Whole Foods, but if you wanted an efficient place to go at 6.30 just to run numbers and be able to talk to 200 attractive women so you could find one who is going to say yes, that would be a good spot for that. Have you ever tried hitting on people at a Whole Foods? I have not, but it's so easy, man. You just walk up and be like, hey, do you know where like, you get an outlet? Is there an outlet around here? Or, oh, do you know what time it's 
place closed. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like asking for an, an outlet tells them right away that you're poor and that you're just there loitering. So that's not a great strategy. I was thinking about hey, this. Boy, what's, what's your strategy? I, I haven't I haven't tried this, but I thought maybe you walk up to some like super hot fitness chick and you're just like, "Hi, ma'am. Um, maybe you could help me out. I'm like trying to be less fat. You seem to know your way around here." Ah, <laughs> uh, that dude. That's the thing. That's the funniest thing about all this is I barely buy food at all. Food. You mean you 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 mostly you mostly just lawyer there. I'm never in like the grocery area. I'm always upstairs in like the uh, the the lounging area. I'm never. I rarely buy food at Whole Foods. I also. I I mean I don't do any shopping at Whole Foods. I'll drink their um because I'll loiter up there. Their coffee's incredible. Or I'll or I'll buy a salad. Great coffee. Yeah. So what can we do to ensure that Amazon doesn't ruin the one good thing that we have in New York City? Because if Whole Foods go, oh, yeah. this might become unlivable. <laughs> I think we have to. I think we have to handle this from the inside, dude. I think we have to start a podcast, get Whole Foods to sponsor it, and then uh, <laughs> make some money off of it. I think or, we got to handle this from the inside. We got to get inside Whole Foods, bro. We could be like uh, we could be like the tree huggers and chain ourselves to some table as a protest. That that could maybe make a yeah. make some publicity oh, dude, for us. We do that. We do like a live stream from Whole Foods where we should. Uh, dude, if Amazon starts to like comedians protest whole foods okay here's the one thing that whole foods could improve upon their line situation is not great other than that it's a perfect store if they can oh dude the one the, the one in union square has like an express lane and you should always go into the express lane because that moves faster than the uh the regular lane like uh the one in the one on house street doesn't do this but the one in union square there's like seven Regular lanes and then two express lanes, and the express lanes always move faster no matter how many groceries you have. The expertise that you have amongst the. Do, do, you, have, do you have any other Whole <laughs> Food no, no, fun facts, Whole Food trivia that you could lay on us before I let you go? Wait, what was that? One more I, time, what was I, that? I said before I let you go, do you have any other Whole Foods fun facts that you want to share with our listeners? Um, every Whole Foods, like most, I said the Whole Foods in Williamsburg, <laughs> haven't even talked about this one, they have a great bar in like the basement, and the Whole Foods in Gowanus has an awesome like rooftop bar, so like it could be good date spots. Wait, like, wait. It's kind of like, it's kind of weird to suggest we go into Whole Foods for on a date, but the one in Gowanus is like a great bar, great rooftop, and there's so many other bars around there too, and it's cheap. Wait, wait, the Whole Foods in Gowanus has a legitimate rooftop bar? Oh, yeah, 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 and they have, like, um, you can go out there in, like, the wintertime, too. They have those heat lamps, and it's, like, a great view of uh, Brooklyn. Okay, firstly, what's hilarious about that is that you could, like, literally, you could start there downstairs is your office and then go up to the bar at night like there's enough going on there you really never need to leave the Whole Foods <laughs> oh I never have to leave yeah oh absolutely who, who are you talking to right now Bert? They, <laughs> they need like a, they need a section with some treadmills or something so you can really just move in oh, oh dude I'd be down with that I'm sure dude I'm sure Amazon will do that they put a gym inside the Whole Foods they yeah. all have these like artisanal bars there too it's like are the uh, like so many different sections? Are the drinks at the bar like bar prices, or is it like everything else at Whole Foods where it's you know it? it no, it's pretty. It's like reasonable price, man. It's like uh, like seven bucks for a glass of wine, or like six bucks for a beer. It's like pretty reasonable. It's cheaper than the actual food at Whole Foods. Yeah. Wow, that's gonna be. Can you can you take salad bar up like, there? They have like they have like craft beers and stuff too. Like it's not. It's all like pretty unique drinks. All right, we, we gotta get we gotta get like a double date going to Whole Foods. Um, oh, that'd be hilarious. We have to. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else you want to lay on us before I let you go? 
no, if uh, people got to check me out, uh, MikeLemmy.com. I'm on tour right now. I'm in Wisconsin. I'm doing a one-nighter in Chicago on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to be in London in September. Uh, London, Glasgow, and Dublin in September. And I'm always performing around New York City. Or you can catch me at the Whole Foods. And we can hang out at the or MikeLemmy.com. You might have just plugged more things than I have listeners, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you got to find a Whole Foods in all these cities, baby. I'm on tour. Sponsored by Whole Foods. All right. Have, have fun on the road. Send my love to the uh, truest boys of comedy. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a good one. Bye. All right. All right, everybody. Uh, that's our episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Next week, hopefully, either Yussel will be in studio with me or I'll be out in Castle Feldstein, and uh, we'll also we'll, we'll have more real news topics, or we won't. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. All right, catch you later. Bye. Five, three. Five, three. Five, three. Five, three.